I've been trying to remember this evening a, a poem from either Wendell Berry or Mary Oliver, or this one line about, uh, it's called The Peace of Wild Things, and it, in the poem, because I don't have it with me, I'm going to paraphrase it, talks about um, those who go to where the uh, wood drake rests on the, on, the, on the water, where the great uh, heron sings or whatever, uh, who, those who discover the peace of wild things, who do not tax their lives uh, with, uh, boy, what is the line? With forethought of grief. Who do, who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief come into the peace of wild things. And I uh, see there the day bright stars shining in their light or whatever. Uh, and I'm free. And so tonight I, I thought I would, I don't really know what I'm going to say, but I, I, somehow while I was sitting, I, I thought that it was important to always highlight the the difference between the freedom that is really available to us in every moment, no matter what our circumstances, no matter what our situation, and the, the uh, enormity of grief that we, can, uh, that we feel from time to time, but also that we generate in our mind uh, with our forethought of grief, with our anticipation, with, our, um, with the same tendency that I spoke of last week, the tendency to proliferate, to complicate, to elaborate on our immediate experience. And I mentioned last week that, that um, along with, with reflecting on our uh, wonderful Carlos, who's, who's in intensive care right now, and for those of you who may be wondering, um, and not quite uncertain about what will unfold in, um, in his life in the near future. But I also mentioned that my wife was, had terrible sciatic, and I just, it was kind of a throwaway line. And it turns out that she really hasn't walked for the last week. And, I, and I'm not saying this to draw any sympathy or for your mind to start thinking about my wife, and, but although a little meta wouldn't, a little <laughs> loving kindness wouldn't hurt. But to really highlight that her situation is her situation, and my situation, I've been in the last week, and I don't take this as complaining, but I've been her, her caretaker, I've been uh, the cook, the chauffeur, I've, I've been doing the homework with my, you know, everything that one can do along with my own, with all the things that I have to do for myself. And, Anybody who's a parent understands these situations arise. But nevertheless, all of this has been a sequence of unfolding present moments, moment after moment after moment. And I've begun to, I've, I've enjoyed the process over these, this last week of noticing the moments when it's, it's just empty. It's empty being filled with whatever it is that has to be done. And those are most of the moments. And then there's the moments when it, uh, when because of a thought or because of some little elaboration, 
some forethought of grief, all of a sudden it seems stressful, more stressful. And it's really a fine line. And we are literally a split second, a half breath away from stress or this is reverberating a lot. Maybe we could turn down the volume. So sorry about the volume control tonight. We are also a split second, a half breath from, from freedom. From, as I described last week, that they're really in any moment, no matter what how, or how dire our situation, no matter what there is, there, is just six, there are just six experiences that are ever happening. Seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking or cognizing, and that's it. Seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking. And the consciousness of these arising and passing, arising and passing, just an unfolding now, that's all there is. It's very simple. Yet we don't want to deny that my, my wife is in a really precarious situation with her discs in her back, and, and Carlos is in a very precarious situation, and all of us, and all of our near and dear ones, and our relationships, and everything is, is when we think about it, is high drama. Everything. And so it's so easy if we lose contact with that, the bare simplicity of things, with the reality of things. And it really depends on what it's, depend, it depends a lot whether you want to be in reality. If you want to be in reality, you, you're already, you're already uh, in some ways in the, in the, uh, the field of freedom. If you want to be in reality, and that reality doesn't mean that what you face in the simple reality of the present moment is pleasant. There's a lot of really unpleasant moments. But if we can learn to accommodate the unpleasant moments, feel it, let our heart break when you see your, your near and dear ones not being able to walk or see them on their, in the hospital or, or see them angry or fr- whatever it is that you find or whatever you experience internally, if you can open to the unpleasant, it's as though in that moment you're cutting the chain. The simple present awareness cuts the chain. It brings you back to nowhere, to being nobody, to being just with the reality of the present moment. If that chain, if, if that unpleasant moment... I'll use unpleasant right now. If that unpleasant moment goes unnoticed, if we're not really in reality, just being with the simple unfolding of things, that unpleasant moment is often followed by some kind of reaction of, of resistance or aversion or uh, ill will or, or uh, some, kind of, some kind of no some kind of no. The good news is if we can start noticing all of our different no's, at whatever point we wake up in the process of elaboration, in the process of of proliferation, at whatever point we notice what we're doing, that also has the effect of cutting the chain. And what is the chain we're cutting? We're cutting the chain that leads from a painful situation into suffering, into the excess into the 
excessive suffering that is really quite optional, no matter how your situation is, no matter what the circumstances. And my wife, who's been the one that's dealing with all this pain, has been quite remarkable. She has not lost her sense of humor. It has, the being with this pain in a persistent way, in its simplicity, has, instead of having the effect, even though she's had moments of being terrified, moments of being, of really proliferating about the end of her walking, which happens to people, but because there have been so many moments of being with things as they are, the chain that leads to suffering and leads to more reactivity has been cut, and what's come instead has been this uh, unleashing of compassion. She has committed herself now, and people often do this after they've been through injuries, at least have certain moments of it, but I have a feeling she'll do it. She's committed herself to wanting to be of benefit to people who've had a lot of physical pain, and she wants to devote her, her life to that. And she says, I know that I'm going to to serve people in some way who've been in, who've been in a lot of pain. So it's not just that we meet life in its, in its six experiences repeating themselves over and over. It's not so bare, bare reality. Bare reality is the, that's emptiness, that's openness, that's, that's freedom. But the face of freedom and the face of emptiness, the face of openness, the face of immediacy is caring is love, is compassion, is joy, and it's, it's wisdom and understanding it. And the, what follows from wisdom and understanding is, is much more ease of being and a lot more balance. Just a lot more balance. So uh, the poem that was running through my mind, which is my favorite poem on elaboration, favorite poem on the on the tendency of our mind to personalize everything is the poem, I know it's, it shows up here once a month, but it's the poem called Tending Two Shops, and the line that kept going through my mind was, a live in the nowhere where you came from. So that's here, and not the idea of here. Remove the idea of here for a moment. Live in the nowhere where you came from. To me, that's the simple reality even though you have an address here, which is your story. Live in the nowhere where you came from, even though you have an address here. You have eyes that see from that nowhere, and you have ears, and you have a nose, you have tongue, you have body. You have eyes that see from that nowhere, and you have eyes that are constantly, that judge distances. How high, how low, what's going to happen? I'm elaborating here. How high, how low. You own two shops. One that's elaborating, one that's just here. He goes on in the poem, try to close the one that's a fearful trap, always getting smaller. It's so interesting the way my mind is, in the moments where it's gone into the trap of, oh my Lord, my wife is going to be, from now on, is going to be, I'm going to have two children, one daughter and one wife who is now who is now my dependent, and I will be I will be serving. Even though it, there's been a kind of joy in in attending to her and to my daughter and just the constancy of it, there's, it's been kind of simple. But in moments, it's been 
overwhelming. Where is there space for me? <laughs> so whenever, whenever I show up, Whenever I show up, it becomes, it becomes uh, less workable. Whenever I live in the nowhere where I came from, it's, all, it's just moments. It's all fine. He says, live in the nowhere where you came from, even though you have an address here. You have eyes that see from that nowhere and eyes that judge distances, how high, how low. And you, owe two, you, own, you, you own two shops. And, uh, you keep running back and forth. Try to close the one that's a fearful trap always getting smaller, checkmate this, checkmate that. Keep open the shop where you're not selling fish hooks anymore. You're the free swimming fish. So freedom is not just an idea as opposed to bondage, freedom and bondage. It's, it's a living reality, and it is you. It is your, it's your natural state when you're aware and awake. It's your natural state. It's your true being is free. It's not definable, it's not, it's, not, it's not too high, too low, not enough, too much. It's not your whole drama, it's not your whole story, it's not your whole circumstances. It's just, the, it's, it's just your intrinsic nature, beingness, freedom. I, the words don't even describe it. It's what you are when you when your mind is, what you can recognize when your mind or your heart is is uh, just with what's happening. Or in those moments, as you may have noticed in your practice, when your mind, and this is, I'm going to quote Sri Nisargadatta, when your heart or mind is, uh, is noticing your preoccupations or free of your preoccupations, when your mind is free or not bound up in your preoccupations, it becomes quiet. And if you don't disturb that, that quiet and you stay in it, you will discover that it's permeated with a light and a love you've never known, yet you recognize it at once as your own nature. Once you've tasted this experience, you'll never be the same person again. The unruly mind the elaborating mind will break its peace, obliterate its vision, but it's bound to return. That light, that love, uh, as long as the effort is sustained to, to stay here until all bonds are broken, grasping and attachment and all the elaborations slow down a little bit and life becomes more passionately uh, focused in the present. And this is why we practice, to give ourselves that, um, that taste of freedom and to realize that we don't need to lift out of this present moment to find it. We don't need to solve every issue of our life. And all of us carry around the big issue. And when all, as long as we're living in the, the measuring of our big issue and how we're doing solving it, any of you have one of those? As long as we're living in that uh, version of ourselves, we are in a state of postponement. We're in a state of, uh, of waiting. We're in a state of overlooking the freedom that is even right in the middle of the most difficult circumstances. 
And I know that people who've been through really, all of us have been through hard times. You probably, when you've been drawn, when you've been uh, riveted to the, the immediacy of your circumstances, sometimes pain and difficulty is what draws you to that deep appreciation of the, the amazingness that's happening right in the middle of the most difficult situations. And that yet our mind has this idea is there has to be the cessation, the end of the situation in order for me to be happy. I have to, I have to, I have to get rid of this. I have to get more of that. It's, there's an endless, um, endless conditions that have to be fulfilled in order to be happy and to be free. And this is, uh, this is the trick that our mind plays that, that makes us, that, uh, that inclines us to look elsewhere for freedom. Freedom waits, as one of my teachers says, but most are, are looking somewhere else. We're usually looking into the past, boulders of the past, resting on our chest, as my teacher Punjaji says, inhibiting our life and freedom. Or we're projecting whatever happened in the past into the imagined future, and that, that's also keeping us fulfilled, unfulfilled. So as uh, as a Tibetan teacher named Gendon Rinpoche says, happiness cannot be found through great effort and willpower, getting somewhere, but it's already present in open relaxation and letting go. I'll digress a little and, and bring in the teachings of Ajahn Chah, who says, do everything with a mind that lets go. If you let go a little, you'll have a little peace. And if you let go a lot, you'll have a lot of peace. If you let go completely, you will have complete peace and freedom. Your struggles with the world will come to an end. It doesn't mean the world comes to an end. It doesn't mean you come to the end. It means your struggles with world, with your life, with your relationships, with your, the struggles with it be, fall away. So I'll, I'll go back to Gendon Rinpoche. Happiness cannot be found through great effort and willpower, but is already present in open relaxation and letting go. Don't strain yourself. There is nothing to do or to undo. Whatever momentarily arises in the body-mind has no real importance at all and has little reality whatsoever. Don't get so identified with it, become attached to it, passing judgment upon it and ourselves. Far better to let the entire process of life happen on its own, springing up and falling back like waves, without trying to change everything, manipulating everything. And notice how everything vanishes and reappears magically again and again. Only our searching for happiness prevents us from seeing it. It's like a vivid rainbow, which you pursue without ever catching, or a dog chasing its own tail. Although peace and happiness do not exist as an actual thing or place, it is always available and accompanies you every instant. 
Don't believe in the reality of good and bad experiences. They're like today's ephemeral weather, like rainbows in the sky. Wanting to grasp the ungraspable, you exhaust yourself in vain. As soon as you open and relax this tight fist of grasping, infinite space is there, open, inviting, and comfortable. So make use of this spaciousness, this freedom, and natural ease. Don't search any further, no matter what your situation. Don't go into the tangled jungle looking for the great awakened elephant who's already resting quietly at home in front of your own hearth. Nothing to do or to undo. Nothing to want, nothing missing. Now, if you hear this alone, you, you may feel for a moment the peace of wild things. You may feel the momentarily cessation of the drama that often plays in our mind. But if you hang out here a while with your eyes wide open, you'll, you will inevitably fall in love with whatever come, you come into contact with. Your heart will break. You're, you will leap in joy at the, at the beauty and the joy that's also here, that off, also gets missed while we're elaborating, while we're complicating. And you will find the unshakable balance and peace that comes from the, the ground of, of openness and emptiness. True groundedness is emptiness. It's not just being in your body. In fact, <laughs> I've been experiencing, it's so obvious that our body is, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful tuning instrument to orient us to the present moment, but these bodies are, are not, they are not the ground of our being. It's important to be grounded and embodied, but the ground is being aware, attentive, simply aware. And this is why we practice mindfulness every day. Try to know what we're doing when we're doing it. Because knowing what you're doing when you're doing it is incompatible with elaborating, with proliferating, with complicating. And then we can, can, we can, instead of just an idea of life being simple and just six experiences, it's a living reality. And we see that our true home, as Mr. Gadatta puts it, is in openness and emptiness. Let me find this. Oh, I thought I had it with me. I don't. So if you have difficulties in your life right now, see if you can open to it. Anybody here have difficulties in their life? <laughs> what would it mean to open to it, to accept it? to just recognize the simple reality that this is what's happening. To not glance at it, not pretend that it's not happening, just, this is tough. This is dukkha. This is hard to bear. This is painful. 
And if you do that, you're, you're following, you are, you are walking the, um, you are realizing the Four Noble Truths. You're walking the Eightfold Path. Also, in a moment of attention, can you notice what's causing your situation to be, uh, what's causing you mental suffering? So that's noticing, are you wanting it to be different than the way it is? Are you resisting how it is? Are you afraid of how it is? Are you complaining about how it is? Or are you really opening to it? And if you're if you opened to your life, you can also discover for yourself the end of that extra suffering, that extra elaboration, extra mental torment that comes from resisting reality. And by being attentive, you are walking the path again. I have a feeling if you open to your difficulties, and so we're all works in progress of this because we're, we're trained to run from, from things that are unpleasant. So if you turn to the, to the unpleasant, seek it out even. See wherever you see unpleasant and open to it because you'll find lots of it. But you will also find in the middle of it your tender heart of compassion. So I'm running out of time and and I don't want to become stressed about time. (laughs) I want to be able to stay here. So I want to read as a way of closing a beautiful expression of opening to life's difficulties. And this is a a famous poem from Thich Nhat Hanh called Please Call Me By My True Names. Don't say that I will depart tomorrow. Even today I'm still arriving. Look deeply. Every second I am arriving to be a bud on a spring branch, to be a tiny bird with still fragile wings, learning to sing in my new nest, to be a caterpillar in the heart of a flower, to be a jewel hiding itself in a stone. I still arrive in order to laugh and to cry, to fear and to hope. The rhythm of my heart is the birth and death of all that is alive. I'm a mayfly metamorphosing on the surface of the river, and I'm the bird who swoops down to swallow the mayfly. I'm a frog swimming happily in a clear water of a pond, and I'm the grass snake that silently feeds itself on the frog. I'm the child in Uganda, all skin and bones, my legs as thin as bamboo sticks, and I'm the arms merchant selling deadly weapons to Uganda. I'm the 12-year-old girl, refugee on a small boat, who throws herself into the ocean after being raped by a sea pirate. And I'm the pirate 
my heart not yet capable of seeing and loving. My joy is like spring. Wait, one moment. I'm a member of the Politburo. This is a little dated. With plenty of power in my hands, and I'm the man who has to pay his debt of blood to my people dying slowly in a forced labor camp. My joy is like spring, so warm it makes flowers bloom all over the earth. My pain is like a river of tears, so vast it fills the four oceans. Please call me by my true names so I can hear all my cries and laughter at once, so I can see that my joy and pain are one. Please call me by my true names so I can wake up and the door of my heart could be left open, the door of compassion. Let's sit quietly. Letting the door of our hearts remain open as wide as the world. Knowing that no pain exists outside of ourselves. No joy either. So in these last moments we bring to, to this big heart of compassion eye of wisdom, all the beings in all the circumstances, our own near and dear ones, those afar, those in happy circumstances, those in unhappy circumstances, those who, are, who tend to be invisible, unseen, all beings everywhere without exception, all the creatures, of the air, of the sea, of the land, let all of them be held in the vastness of our being, the heart of our compassion, and dedicate our practice today, our moment-to-moment opening to life as it is, dedicate our practice to the welfare and benefit of all beings. gathering all the blessings of our practice, the goodness, the fruits, the merit, the benefits, and giving it freely to everyone who we touch. May all beings be free of suffering, causes of suffering. May all beings be liberated. May our practice be for the benefit of all. So homework, moment-to-moment mindfulness, 24 hours a day, no breaks, but relax, takes no effort. Thank you for listening. 
To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.